Sorry, you... was that? I think Chad just entered the room. Oh my god. Chad, do you have anything to add to our podcast? And they say that I hear. No, he's just gonna sing it again. Oh, okay, no, cool. I don't think Thanks. he has anything. All right, thank you for coming in, Chad. All right, that was wonderful. Welcome back to the Human Spider. That's it. That's the best you've got. Your one-stop shop for all things that are specifically about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films. I'm Casey. I'm Zane. Um, so, I think the last episode really does require an apology on our parts. <laughs> uh, I think we literally did not talk about Spider-Man at all in our uh, Spider-Man-specific uh, podcast, so sorry. Um... We'll try not to talk about Master of Disguise this time, but at the same time, that film offers a wealth of opportunities, so no promises. Right, right. We'll keep an open mind. And also, big news. In in the past week, Zane and I have both found some very interesting things and also watched some very interesting things. Oh, yeah. We watched Spider-Man 3 in all of its majesty. Heck yeah, such a better film than a lot of people give it credit for. Genuinely, it's great. I had an absolute blast watching it, and you liked it more than the second one, didn't you? That's just... I, that might just be my childhood love for Venom showing its true colors, because I definitely always really liked Venom and definitely always didn't care for Doc Ock for some reason, so it was probably... had something to do with that. But there's something about the... not not like boring darkness but there's something about the edginess of spider-man 3 that appeals to me more i think and it's because you're edgy mm-hmm. just like tobes just like uh what would you call toby's or um stefan like what's his urkel like cool guy urkel name what's toby's cool guy urkel uh blaze blaze okay blaze mcguire uh, blaze mcguire when he's when he's walking down the street, strutting his stuff, doing some dance moves, that's not the edgy I'm talking about. That's that's a character choice. His character would choose to be a little bit of an asshole to women on the streets. That's just who Blaze is. But... You know what's funny, though? Like, him acting that way in, in the movie is so in character for if that Peter Parker was to be infected by a symbiote is that how you say it because i know symbiote yeah symbiote okay because i know in the trailer of venom they uh, say it characters yeah she said it differently Mm -hmm. and people were all all angry yep yep, understandably symbiote so yeah he's uh, infected by the symbiote and (laughs) he acts just like as nerdy as a dark edgy peter parker would and it works so well oh my god and i love his dancing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he just suddenly obtains the vernacular of a of a, of a wizened jazz musician now from the 50s this. yeah now dig on this when he enters the uh the bar with uh, gwen stacy mm-hmm. and he he pulls the the poor waitress aside and he says Find me some shade. Find the me some like four dollars. Find some shade. <laughs> and she's oh, she's disgusted by him. She's just like, okay. She's openly just. She's like, you could have just asked for a table for two. I mean, it's not like we're packed right now. Oh, but anyway, um, or rather, release the Raimi cut. Oh yeah, and that's pretty. That's pretty big news. Um, I Absolutely. found it 
I found it on the Raimi memes uh, subreddit, which is is great. And if you ever need some good lols, go to that. Um, but the, basically, the Ra- release the Raimi cut is uh, a thread created by this guy on Twitter at William D one one two three, which basically compiles all of the deleted alternative uh, extended scenes from Spider Man three. Um, collected from like I'm reading this directly off of his tweet by the way okay. uh, various trailers featurettes behind the scenes photos and even this is the one that gets me the novelization of the film so basically mm. and he tweeted this back in May of 2018 so it's not new it's just for some reason now it got like propelled by Raimi so yeah what do you think of that I would love seeing a Raimi cut of Spider-Man 3. I think that it's something that is so swept under the rug because of how poorly people think this movie did, which in fact, it's very important we throw this out there. I remember when we were talking during the movie even when we were to the end of it and I was just saying that I really don't know why this movie um, was considered so bad other than like, I mean... The storyline, sure, it wasn't as clear-cut as the the first two, but it didn't do a bad job at, or a fully bad job at trying to tell the story it was trying to tell, uh, for having three supervillains in it at once. Um, ambitious, but we we talked about it, and I asked you what you thought were the reasons that it like kind of fell off the grid, and then Spider-Man 4 didn't happen, and like, what went on there? And you said that you thought it was because it didn't do well in the box office. Uh, and then we looked it up, and it did I, it did surprisingly well in the box office. It, yeah, didn't you say it did, like, close to, or over 800 million worldwide? I'm pretty sure it did 890 million wow. in the box office. Its budget was 250 million. That's insane. And it did 890 million. And it did better than Spider-Man 2, the Raimi Spider-Man 2. It did better by a hundred million, and then it did better than um, uh, Mark Webb's and uh, Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man. It, fun fact, America, did better than Spider-Man: Homecoming. That's probably one of the biggest pulls for this, in my opinion. Because so many people talk so highly about Tom Holland's Spider-Man. They talk so highly about now the cinematic universe and the, the, the turn that they've taken with giving him uh, the suit made by Tony Stark, etc., etc. And Crap. from how much people talked about Tom Holland's Spider-Man and from how um, advertised it was and loved by the masses, you would have thought that it would have made way more than this movie that was swept under the rug. But even what's considered... The death of Raimi's Spider-Man still did better than what people love right now. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's where that's where the Raimi cut kind of comes in because it is the most like critically maligned of the of the Spider-Man films. It fun um, fact, just like just a little bit of addition. Looking at every Spider-Man film that came out, the three Raimi, the two Mark Webb, uh, Homecoming, and including Venom and Spider-Verse. Sure. Spider-Man 3, Raimi's Spider-Man 3, did the best out of all of them. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. That's amazing. Like, coming off of the whirlwind of, of 
brilliance that was Spider-Man 2, uh, people were probably, like, stoked for this one. And plus Venom, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the whole deal with, with uh, Spider-Man 3 and Sam Raimi openly denouncing it um, is that there was a lot of studio interference and they pushed to include uh, Venom, which I guess worked on you because yep. that's the reason that you love it. Yep. Um, and that's the reason that he doesn't. <laughs> so, I mean... I mean, th- there's one thing that they definitely got right with Venom. Uh, a, they made him terrifying, uh, which is weird because a lot of people nowadays, if you if you know too much about Topher Grace as a person and you think of him just as Eric Foreman in that 70s show, really hard to be able to pull yourself back and think of him as a villain in a film. But if you don't care and you don't let it influence your opinion as a child and you just think, oh, this is Venom, then you're like, oh, wait, well, good. They made him malicious. And then the transformation scene with Venom was, in my opinion, pretty beautiful. Um, And then also the freaking scream, the freaking Venom (laughs) screech. That's that's good. They didn't try and make him any kind of comedic relief. They didn't try to give him jokes. They just pointed out the fact that he's... And I think this was in the Raimi cut uh, storyline, too, that um, ben, uh, Eddie Brock was supposed to have some, like, falling out with Gwen Stacy on camera. And then he yeah. was also supposed to have some other falling out that was supposed to make us understand better why yeah, more when he's at the church, why he um, wants... Uh, Parker dead and it's because so much bad is happening to him that he thinks he doesn't deserve all of this and so he wants to just kill Parker for embarrassing him like Eddie's that dumb but also like evil minded to think that you embarrassed me so I'm gonna kick your ass but if you embarrass me to the extent that I can't get a job in this town anymore I'm just gonna break you and when I was watching uh, Spider-Man 3 when it came out Spider-Man 3, I think, is the only one... I think I mentioned this in the in the pilot episode that I didn't actually see in theaters. Yeah. Um, I was begging my dad. I was begging my dad. I said, I said, I said, Pep Pep, <laughs> you gotta take me to see this new Spider-Man film. You know, I love him, and I always have. Um, and he must have read the reviews or something, so he didn't... <laughs> he never took me. Um, but when it came out on DVD, that guy bought it for me. I watched it, loved it. And as as I was watching the Topher Grace transformation scene, I was just thinking, man, that guy would play a mean David Duke, you know, the uh, the the KKK um, <laughs> head yeah, headman. Yeah. I was just Jeez. thinking, like, man, what a what a vicious asshole. He could totally be a racist piece of shit. Yeah. And then, Spike Lee. <laughs> Spike Lee had the same mindset as you. Spike Lee was watching Spider Man Three. And um, as he was watching Venom screech, he was like, damn, that guy sounds a lot like David Duke. <laughs> Just and then, unnecessary yelling at, at um, good people. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of people on um, on the, like, the trending of the hashtag release the Raimi cut that are like, it's, there's like two sides. There's one that's like, <laughs> like God damn it, if the, if the DC Universe fanboys have their own you know, pipe dream of, of the Snyder cut for Justice League. As if that would in any way fix the movie. 
because that's just an absolute train wreck of a movie. Yeah, for, as first is. off, it needs to be written well to start. Yeah, <laughs> you need characters that are developed and, and sympathetic, not uh, not Henry Cavill with a, a bizarrely CGI'd <laughs> clean face that looks like yeah. a, a wax lip. Um, and then the other half, which is the majority, um, is just like a bunch of people stoked, like like you got to do this, and there's like memes and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very good. It's a fun. It's a fun thing to come out now when we are are doing this podcast because what are the chances? Yeah, now we're around just in perfect time to talk about it. If the Raimi cut came out, there would also be um, I what was the there was extra stuff to do with Sandman on the beach, like looking after his kid. Uh, that would give us a stronger connection to his like personal life so that we would be more enveloped in his character that would that would be beautiful because it's not that it's i think it's not that it's hard to be kind of sympathetic towards sandman i think it's just that the the guy playing sandman to me was a little too deadpan for all the film I don't know if you agree with that or not, but like, yeah, I think it, it lies with the, both the writing and the performance because he was, he was very flat. I, I thought, um, Osborne attacking Peter, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Venom was even oddly enough. Venom was even more, um, established than Sandman was. And yeah. he's the part of the movie that was just kind of dropped in, um, when Raimi didn't want it to. Yeah, you know, because you understand why he wants to like kill Peter, because Peter just like messed his whole life up. Yeah, there's like a bunch of stuff from whoever Will William D mm-hmm. for com- for compiling this. God bless you, sir, because he like he even went through the the novelization, which I did not realize there were. I guess there might have been a, a small part in the back of my mind that realized that like. Whenever big tentpole movies come out, they usually have novelizations for like children. But gosh darn it, do I want to read this so badly right now? Okay. Other pieces of releasing the Raimi cut that I found fascinating. Um, the when Sandman is supposed to have had a scene where he goes to visit the doctor that's working on a cure for his daughter. Oh. Um, and that was a part where, like, basically it looks like he's threatening the doctor to work harder or faster on finding the cure. And now that he has, you know, Sandman powers, he's more intimidating. That was, like, that was another thing, is cutting all of the daughter storyline, I get more of the, instead of us sympathizing with him, really, we're just on the side of, like, oh, a little pissed off, just like Parker, that this guy is now supposedly the real guy that spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen Raimi's third movie Ugh. killed big ben um that's that's a big twist within his films and even though it's not canon to comics uh i'm not against it it, it wasn't like a big um heartbreaking wrong turn it was just another addition within a film universe uh based off a comic book and they decided to have us hate sandman enough that we could kind of side with peter becoming more evil as opposed to us sympathizing with 
Sandman and worrying about Peter becoming more evil. I I think they um they should have kept in the film when Sandman goes up to wine country with Paul Giamatti, um, and then mm-hmm. he cheats on his fiance with Sandy, uh, Sandra O. Oh. I thought that was a that would have been a very compelling uh, sequence. If they had kept in the moment that Peter Parker in the black suit stumbled upon um instead of a jazz club this nice yacht party that took him over to a nice big mansion where he then met uh a man who was running the party but nobody had ever met this guy um i think it would have been fascinating to see how black suit uh, spider-man reacted when he finally met the man the myth the legend of the gatsby yeah and it also would have fit really well with the time frame of Gatsby in that mm-hmm. black suit Spider-Man is basically transported back in time to a to an easier time you know swinging swinging jazzy time with his his newfound jazzy vernacular so is this that's the whole um Raimi cut right the Raimi cut which also includes Alexander Payne and um Baz Luhrmann there we go more on the Raimi cut um the doctor was in this movie a lot and i feel bad for the guy that was gonna play him because i don't think he was in the movie at all (laughs) yeah no i don't think we didn't we didn't see any scenes with uh, any doctors but he was supposed to be threatened by the sandman to cure the uh daughter faster then apparently gwen stacy was supposed to go um uh like they they talked and then the doctor was like hey i know how to stop this guy and then he goes over to sandman's wife and daughter and he grabs the daughter and has the daughter run over to the sandman fight um where the daughter sees her father as sandman and i think it would have been there were a couple of dang heartbreaking moments within this film that would have been another one where he wants to do right by his daughter so badly and then to see a giant monster of a man just start to break because he he can't do this in front of his own daughter. Oh, God. Um, there was an alternate Sandman ending where after falling to the ground, Sandman returns to normal size to kill Spider-Man. After that, Emma and Penny intervene, and with Penny telling her dad it's not worth fighting anymore, he should just be with her. So it's... Uh, there was wait is this another another alternate Sandman ending where that would that would have been huge if the daughter like stepped in and because she's always she was always the inspiration for him to be a criminal because he always just wanted money to save her yeah but then if she just comes in oh man that would have been so good yeah there was also Spider-Man tells or Sandman tells Spider-Man what happens with Uncle Ben and Spider-Man forgives him essentially it's the same as what happened in the theatrical cut but it would have been in a different location and at a different time in the film there was also an alternative Venom ending, and this, I thought, was super freaking interesting, was that after Spider-Man surrounded Venom with the ringing poles, Spider-Man yanks out Eddie from the symbiote, but it reveals that he's just a bunch of bones now, and that the symbiote had completely bonded with Eddie. Oh, I, Christ, that sounds awesome. That Right? Like, that, that would have been the dark turn that that film desperately would have called for at the end. It, like, because he obviously he was so obsessed and enthralled with the idea of all this power with Venom that yeah, he, he jumped it. back in, even though it was going to kill him in that yeah. split second. But the idea of him 
just jumping in and being completely taken over because that, I mean that's what the symbiote's supposed to do. It's supposed to eat away at its hosts until it's until Eddie Brock's no longer Eddie Brock with Venom. It's just solely Venom. For Spider-Man to pull out the body of Eddie Brock would have been such an amazingly dark and interesting turn to see what Spider-Man's next move would be. Because this movie, it, it's not surprising to see this movie franchise take a darker turn because like Green Goblin in the first movie would blow people up. We saw people evap like dissolve. And yeah, and he got stabbed in the torso and blood came out of his mouth. Like, that's huge. Yeah, like, yeah, he got stabbed by his glider. We saw Spider-Man, Peter Parker, throw a literal bomb back at not not uh, Norman Osborn, but at Harry Osborn. We saw that him was throw badass. it at his friend. Yeah, that was, like, that was a big moment. We saw in this film, he not just hit, but, like, physically just slap the heck out of mary jane like yeah that was that was that was rough i didn't remember that um and watching it that kind of that kind of took me by surprise i was like god damn man he was acting like an addict yeah like very cool it's supposed to be a, a really really good way of portraying how if you aren't right enough in the mind um with all the power that the symbiote contains it literally eats away everything you used to be until you're gone and like it it shows with everything that peter does because peter would never hurt a friend but with the symbiote it's not just that he would hurt a friend he very nonchalantly was willing to have just killed harry in that moment and then he without question didn't care for a second that he had hit or that he was emotionally abusing mary jane it was like they weren't just like uh, I don't care, scoff, like, angsty teen moments. They were, like, he could have just become a super villain within that moment. That would have been early. But I think that the coolest scene in the movie was when he took Eddie Brock's, com- um, I almost said computer, Eddie Brock's camera mm-hmm. and smashed that shit against yeah. the wall. And then he jumped down the manhole. No, no, th- well, it wasn't a manhole. It was a great that he literally ripped out of the ground. Right. <laughs> and it was just absolutely badass. Oh my god. What if he just killed Eddie there? I, I I wouldn't have hold it I wouldn't hold it against Black Suit Spider Man to break his jaw. Like that. Yeah. So when you were when you were what, ten when you first saw Spider Man three? Mm-hmm. Do you think you would have like cried if you saw Tony uh, Tony if you saw Tony uh, Parker? <laughs> Tony Parker. Rip, rip out. That's what? Blaze okay, so, Parker. Blaze Parker. Thank you. Blaze McGuire. When you saw Blaze McGuire um, take out a skull from the, oh the sim- symbiote, symbiote, would you have cried like a little I, baby? I don't know because at this point I might have been fascinated. It would have been, it, I would have, it would have heartbroken, it would have left me heartbroken if after pulling out the skull like venom just fell apart and was nothing anymore because to me that would have just been like they they didn't just get rid of him they killed him and that would have annoyed me but at this point realizing what the symbiote is and does it would have fascinated me if like they left it where eddie brock was dead venom was on the loose and now in spider-man like i would have left i would have loved a very intense dramatic cliffhanger of People think Spider-Man's a bad guy. Uh, 
he's literally just sitting there with not just a dead person um, in Harry, but like uh, a dead body, bones. Of his, what... a, a, the dead um, friend, not his best friend, but his, his dead friend, Harry. Yeah, a dead Harry friend. And then imagine if in the movie they had also killed off either Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane and things just started taking such a dramatically weird turn that I started planning out what Spider-Man 4 would kind of look like in my head. Because I was thinking, oh, if they have Venom in here and they're not going to use him that much, um, they could easily get away with the symbiote uh, starting to take over where like if one person got injured uh and they needed to rush him to the hospital say this small little uh innocent redhead boy gets rushed to the hospital because he's injured uh on the scene and they rush it and they try and fix him with uh what they've just recently found and discovered and it turns out that they're giving him a different symbiote and this symbiote is my favorite marvel boy of all time uh carnage and, carnage oh my god if you want scary you go carnage like venom is intimidating and terrifying carnage is the in- encapsulation of night terrors within a comic villain he is he's that thing that you see when you're paralyzed and can't do anything else he's uh there's there's so much that they could have done where carnage is he's faster he's stronger he's more reckless more psychotic than venom they could have had um spider-man and venom eventually team up to try and take down carnage they could have had um and i don't know how much of this you're gonna know off the top of your head as well venom and carnage at some point have a symbiotic baby where it is uh they have a baby named toxin and toxin is a mix of venom and carnage that is quite indestructible and that would have been a massive uh movie move if they had done that with uh i think it would have been cool to see like half of a dark movie where he's fighting venom all the time and venom looks unbeatable and then getting the the dramatically deep voiced venom on spider-man's side to um take down carnage because carnage is harder to beat they have to like engulf him in like a a sound wave barrier like as opposed to just like all these ringing uh bars in a circle they have to like actually get him in like a dome and just ring all of the symbiote off of cletus cassidy so you're saying that they need a biodome excellent i think that um so if peter sits down carnage puts on his vhs copy of biodome (laughs) would carnage then be forced to fuck off the face of the earth uh quite possibly yes (laughs) i think that's what most people do whenever they they see that movie so i don't see anything wrong with it i i would assume the biodome is available in in the spider-man cinematic universe right yeah there's no reason it wouldn't be i think like 9-11 happened so i'm sure biodome happened yeah i'm pretty sure if you go to uh the movie store as black suited spider-man if you flip your hair because it's getting in your in the way of your eyes um as your as your neck turns towards the movie shelf you'll get a glimpse and see that it is right there under the well lens. actually he wouldn't um look for it himself 
he would very, um, very pridefully go to the counter, ask the nice the nice person working mm-hmm. at Blockbuster Video, mm-hmm. um, get get a hold of Biodome for me, would you? And he hands him <laughs> hands him like a nickel. He flicks it at him, and the guy looks at him or girl, forgive me, um, and he he questions the veracity of spider-man well he doesn't know what spider-man unless are you saying that it's literally spider-man walking in without his his um <laughs> mask on oh real this question is a, this is, would this is blaze mcguire roam the streets without his mask on as black suit spider-man yeah so he has his um total his, blaze move he has his pants off and his mask off mm-hmm. just so, the chest piece yeah, just the chest piece and his gloves yeah um and very, the boots and the boots that's actually true. Uh, boots are important because <laughs> you don't want to walk around New York City without boots on. No, gross. You're, you're gonna catch something. Uh, but yeah, he's free hanging. Um, do you? I actually think that's a very interesting thing. If I, I wish that Blockbuster Video was still around. I know there's one left in America, but if I was to walk in and like very happily request a shitty movie like that, what do, what do you think the the clerk would do? Would they laugh? Would they ask why? Would you if, ask very specifically for a movie that is just awful? Or would you say, if you have any awful um, films, please recommend one for me? Because I think no, you'll get two different reactions. I would say, hello, good sir. Do you mm-hmm. have the any copies of The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Mm-hmm. And then he would just shake his head and be like you're an absolute asshole you know that what he'd movie. do he'd take your blockbuster membership card that you have and he would cut it right in half oh my god that is the cruelest thing anyone could ever do but it's well deserved after what you've just put him through five seconds of pure torture saying somebody wanted to rent out a mark webb movie by choice do you remember when you you've seen the amazing spider-man 2 correct Yes, with, uh, thank you, Spider-Man, you remembered my birthday, I am your eyes and ears. Uh, yes, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your, what was your initial reaction? Because a lot of people say that, um, Spider-Man 3 is a bad movie because of all of the, uh, villains, and then Spider-Man 2 comes right out the gate introducing, um, three villains. We got, in Spider-Man 2, we got, uh, Electro hobgoblin for and some rhino. reason and oh yeah there was there was a rhino at the end <laughs> that did nothing <laughs> yeah he's just this big russian asshole and they thought that people would want another one of those movies despite the amazing spider-man 2 being genuinely difficult to watch like it, it, it was i yeah. oh I, I can't even begin to explain where it went wrong maybe it started with the fact that Jamie Foxx's teeth were fixed mm-hmm. by his superpower. So no, that was cool. not by the superpower, just by an eel. Eels are notoriously phenomenal dentists, uh, so they they were able to, to fix his little little teeth gap real quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also the fact that his whole motivation—we're talking about motivation for Sandman, we're talking about motivation for Venom. Mm-hmm. His whole motivation for being upset with Spider-Man is that he did not remember his name. Yeah. How yeah. friggin' weak is that? It's so stupid. It's literally just like a moment where he's like, oh, yeah, Max, Max, uh, like, you're my eyes and ears, bud. And then, like, for a second, this is just, he just stops being on Spider-Man's side. 
just thinks he's lying to him and then that's it yeah it's they made electro look weak not not like physically weak with all the electrical power but they just made him look like a spy like a, a super villain that caved into becoming a super and villain. i i heard so many people they're like oh but the ending is so like brave they killed off gwen no um, it's not brave it's, it's not brave because the rest of the movie is so stupid and then that scene happened and it was kind of like out of nowhere and it was very dumb because especially because he was like all right stay here do not follow me you can literally do nothing to help and then she just fucking dies and he's like oh, okay i said i said to stay and you didn't so two really important things um a uh, if you want to talk about the ambitiousness of multiple villains within a Spider-Man film, I was obsessed with the idea of that as a kid. I still am. Because uh, I love the thought of if you have the capability to write a good story with that many villains, do it. Hit me with in intensity and really really feeling like the hero is not going to be able to get out of this not in the way not in the way that infinity war tried to do it like quite literally the way that raimi tried to do it where they it, to some extent built up um multiple villains and then they all all of their storylines just happened to fall out into the world at once um sandman felt slightly forced but that's just like what are you gonna do because they like they wrote him in as a guy that he's not in the comics and then they just kind of throw you this guy in the beginning eddie brock is fine because he is uh, a god amongst spider-man where if you just know who he is then you love the fact that he's around and you're like oh i hope that he becomes venom and then you see the symbiote and you're like there's no fucking way they're gonna include the symbiote without making him venom this is great um and then, also, the uh, Goblin was built up over time, which was wonderful. Like, you you knew that he was going to do that at some point, and then it just happened to be at the same time, and you're just like, wonderful, they're going to throw this all at us. Electro and um, who else? The Rhino and Hobby. Freaking Hobgoblin. Or it's just Goblin, I think. I think Hobgoblin is... Um, uh, James Franco and then Just Goblin is uh, the guy from Chronicle. Yeah, so that's that's another major misstep in in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Um, not that not that casting anyone other than than gosh darn Dane DeHaan would have helped the script, but Dane DeHaan is just a terrible actor. Like the guy is just vacant behind the eyes. Um, and I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a movie where he was like the real selling point. Like he was great, right. or excuse me, he's not great, but um, uh, the place behind the pines is phenomenal. And then he's just in like a third of that movie, and he doesn't do too much. He just plays a son. Um, Chronicles fine, but you know everybody obviously likes Josh Trank's follow up, um, you know, Fan Four Stick much better because it, it lacks uh, Dan DeHaan. And it's also just a fucking hysterical movie. So yeah, basically that's my diatribe about how Dan DeHaan is not great and people like him anyway. The other thing that I had to throw out there is based off of what you said of people saying, oh, it was such a risk for them to take killing off Gwen Stacy. The reason that's not 
in any way a risk is because it quite literally happens in the comics. Right, right. Uh, I think people were saying that it's a risk to put it in a movie like that, yeah. Nah, that's that's the thing that sucks because now we've gone from people that like the the idea that Raimi's throwing out there to people that think that what Raimi's doing is far too ambitious to be in movies and that that's not how a superhero should be built. Like, he... Correct me if I'm wrong, right? He's right, right before the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline technically starts. Yeah, I mean, he... uh, Kevin Feig who was the producer of all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, was actually a producer on Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. So he is... Raimi was literally the the uh, godfather of the current phase of the MCU movies. Fun fact, I think I saw an interview yesterday where they said that his last name is pronounced Feige. Oh, I could not care less how to pronounce that man's name. <laughs> he uh, has more money than God, so I don't. I don't care. I'll I'll say his name is is Crevis uh, Fingal. How's that? All right, Crevis Fingal. Yeah. The Magic Man himself. Magic Man himself, Crevis Fingal. Uh, God, Godson of mm-hmm. of of Mister Stanley. Lee. Right. Stanley Lee. Stanley Lee. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, my little man. Mwah. Jack Kirby. Can't forget Jack Kirby. But these people that are taking quote-unquote risks nowadays in superhero films don't realize what they're missing out on by not taking actual risks. Like, what, like like making good films exactly. that take, you know, have good writing and characters and exactly motivation? Exactly what I was going to say. Yes, Weird. it's their, their movies could be so good if they were willing to not be predictable. Raimi wasn't predictable. We thought, literally, in the first movie, Goblin, like, sure, because it was the first movie we didn't know what to expect within Raimi. I don't think we expected Goblin was gonna die. I think people expect, oh, he'll be defeated, or run off, or thrown in jail, or something like that. And then when he dies, you're just like, Jesus, man. Yeah, and it's and it's graphic too. It's well, yeah. It, he dies. It, that informs the progression of both Peter and Harry, and it really just puts the wheels, makes the wheels spin for the future of the franchise. And it was a brilliant move. And it's wonderful too because they don't have to kill off all these villains in some theatrically extravagant way. They just they die like any other human. That's they all kill the each biggest, other, or they all kill themselves rather. It's the biggest pull. Is that's true. All of them can... I, oh my god, wait, this is right. Yeah, they like, all kill themselves, basically. All um, of them. Because so Goblin Goblin stabs himself, Doc Ock drowns himself, Sandman just becomes one with the wind on his own. Yeah, I don't uh, think he died, actually. I think Sandman's still kicking. Yeah, no, he... Right? I, yeah, I told you, he's supposed to, in the comics, he's supposed to die because uh, Spider-Man is supposed to uh, vacuum him up with a giant vacuum. Absolutely badass. Uh, I think if anyone, okay, honestly, God, if any director could have handled that scene, Sam Raimi would have yeah. done absolute justice to that. Yeah, it would have been awesome. But they, yeah, though, so Sandman fades off. Uh, Topher Grace ends up killing himself with Venom, like where Tobey Maguire is expecting to just kill Venom's symbiote form, and then Eddie Brock is the person that kills himself. Like he wasn't supposed to be a part of it. Eddie just becomes a part of it um also harry gets himself killed um, yeah he jumped in front of the uh the glider 
which is like pep pep yeah pep, pep, it, goblin it's actually fascinating to think that like um spider-man intended to kill um uh he intended to kill sandman at one point he intended to kill harry osborne at some point and he might have even intended to kill eddie brock at some point but even after actually attempting to he's not the guy that ended up getting away with it in the in the end he's not yeah, the good, one that had the final blow good peter always always came through good pete good uh good baby boy pete so i'm looking at the blu-ray right mm-hmm. now of spider-man 3 of course i own all three films good um in the back of it because i was i was hoping that it would say like includes bloopers and commentaries but guess what it also features what a snow patrol music video what what Heck yeah actually hold up i want to see if the first disc or the first film has the um the what's what's the the nickelback song oh my god yeah that's my favorite about. song i love that thing and they say a hero can save us not gonna stand here and wait oh my you- god <laughs> Sorry, you, was that... I think Chad just entered the room. Oh, my God. Chad, do you have anything to add to our podcast? And they say that I hear... No, he's just going to sing it again. Oh, okay, no, cool. I don't think Thanks. he has anything. All right, thank you for coming in, Chad. All right, that was wonderful. Happy that was really cool. On. He's yeah. a really nice guy. Yeah. Uh, people think that he's he's kind of a dink because he's a nickelback. But... Hopefully, hopefully we'll have more guests that were a part of the Sam Rainey universe on this show. Yeah. You know what? You know I'm what's glad fun? we started with the lead singer of Nickelback. Of course. That's uh, that's the thing, though. Like, people are always... I feel like people treat Nickelback the same way they treat Spider-Man 3. I think people hate it because it's cool to hate it, you know? It's like how, how it's like how so many people hate, uh, like, Fortnite right now mm-hmm. because, because it's just the popular thing. But, like, whatever, dude. Just let people like the things that they like, unless it's the Amazing Spider-Man movies or anything other than the Spider-Man, you know? Just go away. I think that's... I think that I'm right and you're wrong. You know, it's a, another, I, I, I guess going back to discussing superhero movies and how it's just, they don't take any chances. Um, it kind of sucks that movies based on familiarity make so much money, especially in terms of box office revenue, because like I was looking at uh, box office mojo the other day for uh, 2018 it's like the first, the top 11 movies technically are all like either sequels or based on things that are already known or like, I can't, I can't understand how Aquaman made over a billion dollars worldwide. No idea. Really but it makes no sense. Idea. Actually, hold on. I'm going to take a step back here. Aquaman uh, has a song in it called uh, Ocean to Ocean by Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's favorite. Um, Dale. Thank you, Dale. Uh, everyone's favorite musician. So and, I guess uh, it does... thank you, Pitbull, for being on the show. That was great to have you. That was really cool. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, I'm um, getting a lot of musicians in. I, I feel good about it. I don't feel bad. This is a good. This is a good episode. Episode mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. pod. It's a good pod episode. Not not a not a bad pod episode. <laughs> was Mr. Worldwide able to hear you? Um, or was he able he to hear was, me scream? He, no, he was he was distracted taking a picture of someone taking a picture of him with a Kodak. <laughs> oh, Mr. Worldwide. Oh, 
Pitbill. Pitbill. My mother, my mother once called um, him Pitbill by accident. Like, <laughs> she immediately uh, corrected it. But ever since she called him that, I have never been able to call him Pitbull. He's always been Pitbill to me. And I will never uh, call him his actual name. Good. Because I do not respect him. Fan of the show, Pitbill. Is Pitbill um, a fan of the show? Pitbill is not only a fan of the show, Pitbill is actually signing papers right now uh, to become, if we ever need uh, any musical accompaniment, he is signed on now to be our composer. What? Yeah. So we're just going to be getting, like, ocean to ocean, but mm-hmm. but but Spider-Man? Spidey, Spidey, yeah. Uh... So what song is he going to sample for that, then? Hero? Mm-hmm. That's Mo- crazy. Most likely. I, that- I think that's the best um, the best concept that we've had yet. Pitbill uh, sampling Chad Kroger for our podcast. That could be our new um, intro song. Rather than you playing piano like an asshole, we could have Mr. Mr. Worldwide um, playing piano like an asshole. Fun fact, did you know that Spider-Man 3 not only was the highest grossing Spider-Man film of all time, but it was the highest in 2007? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Ooh, no, I knew that, obviously. Yeah, you know, I, it's... I just have to, I just have to play, play dumb for the audience. I'm I, not actually dumb. I'm just curious now. I'm going to run through finding the highest grossing superhero movies and see where it falls on the list. Wow! It's number 11. That's, uh... You know what? Uh, dinosaurs are notoriously not funny, so I guess <laughs> that makes sense. They're also of... stoic and, like, uh, I don't know... It's boring. Someone needs to make a good film with a with a dinosaur that's got a good sense of humor, and the only film I can think of with that is the uh, Meet the Robinsons. Um, I'm gonna have to have to push back on that opinion right there, that incorrect opinion, because I you clearly haven't seen Theodore Rex with Whoopi Goldberg. No, and, what is and, this? Um, it's this. Um, my butt at work told me about it. He said, <laughs> he said, um, we always we always talk about movies together, and. I went up to him. I was like, yeah, did you watch anything new recently? He was like, he looked me dead oh in the eyes. God. He looked me dead in the eyes and he said, I watched Theodore Rex. And I looked at him. I was like, what is that? But I already kind of knew what it was. Because I just immediately in my head, I, I had this image of a, a grown man in a big rubber uh, dinosaur costume with three uh, Converse sneakers on each foot because of his big feet, you know? Yeah, no, he's genuinely just for the audience to understand. You know what a dinosaur's foot looks like? Like the giant three, like three pronged, three toes, yeah, three pronged toes things, whatnot. He's literally got a converse for each toe. <laughs> it's so stupid. I love it. And Whoopi's in it. And apparently, Whoopi is part cyborg. And I asked him why. No, I think I asked him how he watched that because I think it was a direct to VHS movie i don't think it was ever released in theaters the trivia whoopi goldberg made a verbal agreement to star in this film in 1993 and it came out in 95 um (laughs) when she tried to back out because of course she would uh the producer sued her for 20 million dollars wow the suit was settled very quickly when goldberg agreed to star for seven million dollars two million more than the original agreement so so she was she was sued and then ended up making money. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that. Uh, home, homework, homework for the audience. Uh, all two people out yeah. there so far. That'll be really ironic in a year when we're fucking... All the way up to uh, seven. Inter- 
international superstars <laughs> with seven uh, seven followers. Yeah. Um, watch Theodore Rex. Yeah. That's all. Big, big help. Uh, Theodore Rex is going to, obviously, at some point I'm going to watch it and we're going to talk about it. I think that it looks like a quality film. I just read another yeah. fact that said, Whoopi Goldberg said that so much of the crew kept quitting the film that on her last day of shooting 99 percent of the crew was different than day one why would you quit that movie probably what could have been so difficult probably because they felt like they had already peaked that if they had stayed in the moment a day longer they would have od'd on greatness that's true. That's like when when TV shows end after like five or six years, like Breaking Bad. It's like you gotta. We're on a great point here. Mm-hmm. Let's end on a high note. Exactly. Gotta go. Bye. <laughs>